ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I am your host and a master of shenanigans, Paul J. Long. And uh, this one, this one's going to hit you in the feels. Uh, our episode is all about how. If you have been following us in 2021, you understand that one of my goals, one of my personal go- personal goals in 2021 is to not just talk about why fundamentalism is important or what it is, but rather supply folks and empower them, empower you with real-life tactical things that you could do to improve your quality of life and the amount of joy, fun, and fulfillment in it. Before we get to our uh, esteemed guest and the individual that's going to help walk us through the featured fundamental today, I'd like to shout out our sponsor, Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle is doing some amazing things. Tis the season, the busiest season for Charlie Hustle. Why? Because they have the best Chiefs threads that you could ever desire. And uh, it's, it's a big week. It's a big couple of weeks for us in the Kansas City community. So if you're a Chiefs fan and you want to find some uh, something that you're proud of that can express your love and passion for our previous and uh, future Super Bowl champs, then go to charliehustle.com to learn more. So without further ado, our featured fundamental of the day, of the week, is one that I am certain everybody listening or tuning in can relate to. Our featured fundamental, ask for help. In a society right now that is hyper-focused and sensitive to the things that aren't working, sometimes we fail to see all that is. And the byproduct of that is when we're stuck in the mud and we're really hyper-focused on all the things that bring us down, sometimes we feel alone. And we don't necessarily know what to do to pull ourselves out of that rut. The fundamental that can help you pull yourself out of that rut is asking for help. And the individual that's going to help showcase it today, I'm super excited with. She has changed my life in just the course of the last three months, and I'll tell you why. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fundamism stage, Michelle Demetrio. What's good, Michelle? What's good, Paul? I've never had quite such an introduction. Thank you. I'm thrilled <laughs> it was a to be little, here. It was a little long-winded. I loved it. <laughs> well, I love you uh, for multiple you. reasons, and we're going to talk about all of them. You are just <laughs> a little ray of sunshine uh, who is not shy to share your dark days either, which is oh. amazing and uh, something that I feel like we could all benefit from. But before we get too far down the path of uh, my genuine interest in learning more about you, let's talk about what you do for fun, sister. Oh my gosh, what I do for fun. Okay, so I live in Denver, Colorado, and um, like I think 300 some days of sunshine here. Uh, Today isn't one of them, Uh, but uh, it doesn't matter what the weather is here you, everybody gets outside. So I love getting outside. I love hiking, skiing, just being out in nature. Uh, probably my most favorite thing, uh, is being with my, I have three grown sons and, uh, their families and then a grandson. That is my most fun time spent. And then, uh, really (laughs) my, one of my most favorite things is connecting, just really connecting, not on a surface level, not talking about the weather, like really connecting with people. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that you could tell already why Michelle is the perfect fit for the Fundamism podcast. We aren't about those surface discussions, work, weather, and family, get tired, uh, and 
you know, one of the reasons why it took a little bit to get you on the podcast, we've been trying to do this for roughly three, six months, uh, was that grandbaby was born somewhat recently. Yeah. So what's your grandbaby's yeah. name? My grandson's name is Cyrus. He's seven and a half months old now, and he was born at the height of COVID. And uh, so, yeah, he is a blast. Um, he's between I'm between Evergreen, Colorado, and Cleveland, and so he's not here right now. I'm missing him terribly, but he is one of the happiest, smiliest babies I've ever seen. So uh, he must have got it from his his grandmama. Uh, or one of those three beautiful grown sons that you referenced, which is the whole reason why we got the opportunity yeah. to connect. So to the Fundamentalism yes. Podcast listener, uh, if you tuned in to one of my favorite episodes, uh, we had a fine gentleman by the name of Reggie King, the president. Uh, <laughs> Reggie, of course, is uh, one of Travis Kelsey's best friends growing up. They uh, are still tight to this day. And uh, Reggie was just a blast to talk to. Uh, super motivational, uh, very much an optimist. And when I talked to him a little bit about who he was and where that stemmed from, uh, one name consistently came up. And uh, before revealing that name, I'm sure it won't be a surprise to many of you. Uh, I, I was I was wrapping the podcast. I, I sent him a couple of clips of it. I sent him the audio file. And uh, he said he was talking to his mama, Michelle. And I said, oh my gosh, please tell her what an amazing young man she raised. And he oh. said, you tell her she would love to hear that from you. Here's her number. So oh. I randomly text you if you remember that. And uh, here we are. Yeah, no, that was, a, I love that podcast. He, he was very complimentary. I appreciated it. <laughs> Well, you so obviously, you know, one of your amazing traits is uh, your humility, and you understand that you have a lot of uh, amazingness in you, and you bestow that light uh, or amazing spirit upon others, not just personally, but in your job. You know, obviously, you are a mental coach, and we're going to talk through your process, uh, what that looks like, and how you help clients get to a place where they focus more on what's working as opposed to what's not. Right. Uh, but before we do so, let's let's dive in a little bit of, of, of background on you. You have that beautiful Southern draw that yeah. just connects us to you. Where are you from? Right. I'm originally from Asheville, North Carolina, and I grew up in North Carolina, went to school at Chapel Hill, and then decided I wanted to live in a big city that I couldn't drive home in a day. So I moved to Houston, Texas. I didn't know a soul. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a place to live, and it was going to be for a year. And uh, God knows how many years later, we won't say, but I think I've lived in two countries, and this is maybe eight or nine states. And uh, there is no excuse for this accent because I have lived everywhere. <laughs> it won't leave me, though. The excuse is it connects you to people, which is one of your guiding principles. That's true. I get a lot of questions about where I'm from, and I say South Denver. <laughs> South Denver. Well, you referenced uh, Cleveland, which is obviously the former home and uh, birthplace of one Travis Kelsey. And I yeah. believe, forgive my ignorance, that's where Reggie and Travis connected. Is that an accurate statement? Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, Reggie, I met Reggie when he was 11, when we lived in Chicago. And he and now my middle son were best friends. And it's an amazing story. If you've seen the movie, The Blind Side, mine is 10 times greater. Uh, and fast forward, ended up adopting Reggie. Um, 
we had already moved to Cleveland, moved him to Cleveland, and that's where the one and only Travis Kelsey entered our lives. And uh, it, it, some things just never change. So that's Travis right. Kelsey is one of those. Well, so, yeah. when you're living your true authentic self, uh, yeah. I, I hope it doesn't change much, right? And that's, right. that's something that, that the only uh, thing that's changed Travis is money and experiences. He is the exact same guy that he I knew when he was 14 years old. He is an amazing human being. I love that. Uh, and that's, of course, why Travis will forever be a friend of the show. Uh, however, this isn't about Travis. You mentioned that uh, the blind side times 10 is a similar story uh, of you and uh, Reggie. So t- give us the highlights. So how did Reggie into your life? Obviously, he was best friends with your son. But walk <laughs> us through the mindset, Ms. Mindset Coach, of uh, finding a true connection with Reggie and taking him in as your own? Well, I think you have, having met and then interviewed Reggie, you know that he is a personality almost like no other. Yes. Um, he is a force of nature and he could walk into a room of a hundred people. And by the time he left, he literally would have, have everybody's phone numbers. Uh, he wouldn't have made a connection with every single soul in the room. And, um, you know, met him at an, a basketball tournament. He came home and spent the night with, us with a couple of other kids and I my boys are a total of 16 months apart so I always had a house full of boys and I remember this particular day he had been with me for two weeks and um, my middle son Alexander said um, Reggie and I want to have a meeting with you and I was like oh you can check my watch I, I can meet right now <laughs> and so he, he said uh, Reggie and I want you to adopt Reggie and when you say mindset, I have to, I have to really say that those were, when, when they said that immediately, you know, it was my mind to all the other boys that were kind of staying in my house over long periods of time to my own sons, of course. And I, I would have done anything for those other boys. And I did do a lot for them, but I would have never considered having adopted them. And um, when they, when Alex said that, we'd like for you to adopt Reggie, it was almost not my words. I said, oh, I could do that. And so fast forward, trying to work with his um, caseworker and so forth. And it was just not very, not, he, he had a lousy caseworker. I'll just call it what it is. Mm. And so we, um, he spent as much time with us as he could. I got him on the weekends whenever I could, um, you know, not to share a ton of, but he was in group homes. It was, you know, he was from the other side of the tracks. And sure. so um, anyway, uh we were transferred to Cleveland and it was the summer before his freshman year in high school. And he called me doing the ugly cry and said, uh, <laughs> if you know, it was at midnight. I, you know, he, he knows the story. Uh, and I said, uh, he said, if you don't adopt me, nothing good is going to happen. And I said, well, you know, you gave me some stipulations. You told me that, you know, your caseworker wouldn't work with me. He said, I'll take care of those other things and I will talk to my caseworker and I have a new caseworker. And so it was just fast forward and um, we got him on August 23rd, 2004. And uh, he had been in our lives already for three years. So honestly, one of the lights of my life. Um, And he's just, um, I'm his biggest fan. He's my biggest fan. you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't ask for a better situation. And it's like when people talk to me about adoption, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm the wrong person to ask. 
but I kind of hit the when you know I hit the lottery. So yeah, sure. That's that's a quick story on Reggie. Well, uh, it's a it's a magnificent story, and I think it's a perfect jumping off point for our featured fundamental uh, of this week's episode, which is ask for help. Okay. And interestingly yeah. enough, I heard it twice in that story. The time where your middle son, mm-hmm. Alexander, and Reggie came to you and said, we want you to adopt Reggie. And the time when he called mm-hmm. you uh, a year later with the ugly cry saying, I need your help. And that mm-hmm. that's difficult for a lot of people, Michelle, as you very well know, and you've worked with individuals like that for years. So uh, first of all, what do you think that it takes uh, for an individual to identify and recognize and then be willing to ask for help? Like what, what, what is it that creates that, that, that layer of, um, what do I want to say where you're, you remove the reluctancy and you're comfortable just asking for help. How do you get there? I think it's very brave. I, I, the people, you know, it's, I think a lot of times it's when people have hit rock bottom in my business. That's what I see a lot. It's like what I would love is for my clients to come to me when life is going great and we can lay out a ground framework for them to work on. And then when we hit those rough spots or those really low times, we've got that framework in place. But what we typically see, very human, uh, our human brains, what our human brains teach us to do is, um, you know, I've got this, I've got this muscle through, power through, I've got this until they don't see a way that they can do it on their own anymore. Mm. And it, it is so brave and so vulnerable to say, I can't do this on my own. I, I need your help. What I, what I can appreciate about that is I, uh, I've experienced that as many of our listeners have uh, most mm-hmm. recently or as recent as a month ago, enter you, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about a little bit more. But mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes uh, is ego is hell of a drug. Ego is a hell of a drug, right? And so when you, when you say, I got this, or I could power through it or whatever it may be, while confidence is important to get through just about anything, identifying where your opportunity gaps lie and trying to find ways to close them, including, but not limiting to finding somebody who's strong in the areas that you're not could be one step closer to improving the amount of joy, fun, and fulfillment that you have in your life. So name a time in your life that you needed help and decided, I'm going to ask for it. Whoa. Uh, Well, that's easy. Um, I've had a lot of support in my life. Um, Amazing parents, great coaches, uh, life coaches and athletic coaches, just great support systems. But it was one night, um, my former husband walked in from a business meeting and said, um, I'm leaving. And I said, yes, I, I know you're leaving tomorrow at 545. You're all packed. You're ready to go. And he goes, no, I'm leaving. And I said, yeah, 545. He goes, no, I'm leaving you. Oh. And we had never been to counseling. We had never discussed divorce. We had not been arguing. We weren't separated. We had never discussed that. I was, to use this word again, blindsided. Mm. I was literally knocked to my knees. If you had asked me that morning um, if I would ever be even a separated woman, let alone a divorced woman, I would have said, no way. We're the, per- we're the perfect family. And... Um, it was, you know, he had clearly 
decided that he was emotionally gone. And, uh, you know, I just was, I, I, that, as I say, the word divorce never existed in my vocabulary. I was going to fight for, for any way I could, but it wasn't, it, you know, he was out. And so, um, you know, what I discovered in 24 hours was absolutely staggering and shocking, the life I had led unbeknownst to myself. And I was, I was really knocked to my knees and my boys were devastated. It, it was a shock to all of us. And so um, I had gotten certified in a, in a life coach program in the early 2000s when nobody even knew what a life coach was. And so I immediately reached out to a life coach. And um, I really, you know, I, I can't even imagine where I would be today if it wasn't for her. Mm. Yeah. And it would just change. It really, I mean, it got me through the toughest time in my life. Well, first and foremost, to address the fact that uh, when you talk about bravery, expressing uh, vulnerability and sharing a moment like that where you were truly knocked to your knees yes. is uh, pretty admirable. And I know our listeners, uh, as well as I, greatly appreciate that. Well, thanks, you, Well, listen, I mean, a lot of folks, we have that stuff that happens to us. And, oh, yeah. you know, what I find, and uh, I don't want to speak for you, uh, I'd love your your feedback or your experience, but... It seems like right now, more than ever, we're living in a society where everybody's like comparing each other, comparing plight, comparing <laughs> successes, comparing how bad somebody's got it or whatever it may be. And it's interesting because you never know how bad somebody's got it. You know, <laughs> people look at you or potentially me or Travis or Reggie or whoever it may be and see all smiles and greatness all the time because, you know, social media dictates that. But, you know, there could be a darkness that's underlying there. And so it starts with having somebody that you feel comfortable with sharing and being able to open up to. For you, that was a, a life coach. Yes. How did you, because that takes commitment. Uh, and, and I'm guessing probably a monetary commitment as well, if you really wanted to pursue that. It's an investment. Okay, talk to us more about that because I know this is exactly the realm in which you live. So you you reached out to a uh, a mindset coach or a life coach, and what was the initial process like? How did they help you through that difficult or challenging moment? Well, you know, I think well, they first they said you know life coaching is very different than therapy and that it's very forward thinking. It's like where are you today and where do you want to go? I didn't need to really dig into my past. By the grace of God, I had kind of a Norman Rockwell upbringing. Um, up until <laughs> that night, I thought I had a great marriage. And so I didn't need to do that work at that time. I needed to keep, I needed to go. I had three sons. I was going to be by myself with them and I needed to get my feet back on the ground and move forward. And so, you know, she, she discussed where therapy you typically pay for session by session. And um, she offered me a coaching package, which is very common. And I discussed the ways that we could pay for that. She said, no, it's an upfront investment. Um, you're going to, you know, it's a, it's an investment in yourself. And um, I made that investment. one of the best investments I've ever made. And um, she just, you know, she, she was a soft place to land, but at the same time held me super accountable and um, didn't, you know, just was there when I needed someone that wasn't emotionally involved with me in this 
death, you know, ter- terrible time mm. um, that wasn't, you know, in, in the weeds with me in the pool, we call it, you know, if you're in the pool with somebody that's drowning, you can't throw them the, you can't throw them the noodle or the life rope. And uh, she was definitely not in the pool with me. So just, you know, was a soft place to land, but really held me accountable and made me do the hard work. So you and I have uh, a very similar philosophy in transferring skill or helping empower others. Mm -hmm. And based on my short experience and friendship with you, which is only going to blossom in time, you believe wholeheartedly in the power of self-discovery and specifically not telling people what to do or expressing your thoughts or opinions often without getting some semblance of identifying where they are or allowing them to talk through their own mindset. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, having that as the foundation, what, what advice would you give to somebody that is in a, in a moment, in a troublesome time in life at a crossroads where they need help and they're reluctant to ask for it? What advice would you give somebody to take that next step, whatever it looks like, in asking for help? Well, I often use this example. I mean, I think I know when somebody asks me for help, and I'm not speaking to life coaching, but I I used to say to my sons, I had a couple of sons that were really involved in basketball. And I said, if a little kid came up to you and said, hey, could you help me with my free throw shot? That would make you feel so good. You would drop everything. You would help that little kid. And you would feel so great about yourself. You know, you would feel... So, and that's what I see is it's like... Um, I just want people to know that when you're uncomfortable, the good stuff is on the other side of that. Your dreams are on the other side of your discomfort. And just being brave enough to ask and finding someone that will hold that space for you and be there for you and focus on you is just, it's the greatest gift you can give yourself is having the courage to ask for help. Mm. Fundamism podcast listener, I hope that you're feeling uh, the energy and the power behind Michelle's words. Uh, We know that it's uh, uncomfortable. And to Michelle's Mm -hmm. point, like the true moments of growth, not to be cliche, they come from discomfort. It's uncomfortable because it's something that you haven't done before, or it's, it's something that you think about often, but aren't sure to get past or how to get past. And so, you know, it relates directly to our featured fundamental from a couple of weeks ago, and Ryan Campbell, which is uh, embrace awkward moments, like embracing those moments yeah, like where you're, you're uncomfortable and it feels awkward could really help propel you to a place where you, you, you find more comfort and you feel better about your future. So you hired a life coach. Uh, they walked you yeah. through, they helped you through, empower you through some of these challenging moments. And fast forward, yeah. you found yourself playing the role. How did that come to be? It's crazy. I think with all these boys in my house, I mean, when I tell you my house was filled with boys all the time, I, epic filled. <laughs> and uh, I kind of, I, I remember we'd be watching a sporting event or something and I kind of sat in this one chair and there was a, guys would pull up a chair and they would sit there with me and there was so much noise and guys were, other guys were distracted because they were watching the game and they would come to me with their problem. And I literally, I know this is an odd visual, but it worked for me. It was, I literally felt like I was sitting there with a treasure chest in my lap and the lid was open and these guys are pouring into me. And I mean, I'm telling you, this is before I was a life, like practicing life coach. So 
this was crazy that these high school kids are just spilling their guts to me. And it was like, they would tell me, I would put it in the treasure chest, close the lid, and it was sacred. It was between the two of us. And oftentimes I remember like a guy, would you please hurry up? I need to talk to her. So it was just kind of this revolving chair. That was really a blast. That's when I knew there was something there. And then once my kids, you know, were out of the house and I had some time to focus on myself and decide really what I wanted to do after a, a while, I got in another certification program and just like, this is just what I love to do. I, I, I don't do drugs or anything, but I always say when I get off the calls with my clients, I said, if this is what a feeling high feels like, I get it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a natural high for me. It's literally a high. Well, and that, that brings us to a, a conversation that you and I had via text message last Thursday night. And okay. it, was, it, was, it was right along those lines. Like you said, I, I okay. never really had any vices or many vices, but... Oh, I, now that's not true. Well, <laughs> drug. you've never done drugs. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Drugs. Uh, very specific vices. How about that? Yeah. yeah. But uh, you talked about that, that comfort, that, that feeling, that sense of euphoria that you receive mm-hmm. when people let their guard down and they feel oh. comfortable sharing with you. Yes. And uh, what, what I went on to say is, of course, so I get the opportunity and feel blessed to be able to see that and feel that as well in my role. Mm-hmm. I, I, I envy you a little bit in that you get to do it more in a one-on-one level and get to yeah. see the fruits of your labor, right? You, like you get to work with somebody, you establish a, a, a plan for success, a strategy to move forward, mm-hmm. and then you meet with them consistently to check in and see how things are going. Whereas I typically see that light bulb moment in the one hour time that we spend with one another in a keynote and then wonder, you know, three weeks later, did somebody do anything different as a result? Right. So I, I love what you get the opportunity to do. And I know okay. why. <laughs> Well, I know why you're so successful in doing it. And it boils back down to you thrive and get so much energy in connection that you're blessed, Michelle, to get to do something that really isn't work, right? This is is not a job for you. It's something that you find fun. It is so fun. You know what? That's, that should have been my first answer when you asked me what I love. One of my first answers is I love my work. I, lo- I have so much fun in my work. Well, uh, it shines through in every oh, interaction right. that we have, right? And, you know, we talked about work, weather, and family being conversations that are surfacy. When work comes up with you, it's more like it's passion. It's it's, I'm actually growing as a result of our discussion about work. And that's why, well, and you know this because uh, there's, there's more to the story in terms of how you've connected me to individuals like yourself that have helped me strategically. So before we get to that, you have a really unique niche, if you will, in the, uh, the, the mindset coaching that you do. Who right. is your target, who's your target audience or client? My target audience is professional athletes, and my tagline is helping professional athletes create lives that feel as good as they look. Because mm. you look at their lives and you see these young, well, 99% of my clients are men. So, you know, they've got the money, they've got the cars, they've got the trips, they go in, they're spending bucks at the clubs, they've got the clothes, they've got the jewelry, whatever. And it looks amazing. And they've, they've earned it. They're the top 1% in their field. Um, 
and they've worked their tails off to be there, but they're human beings. And, you know, it's, I remember a a guy in the front office of one of the teams said, you know, these guys have known for a while that they're going to be drafted. And uh, they think once they walk that stage that, like, man, I made it, I'm here. And that's just when it starts like, oh my God, yeah, I made it. Oh my God, I'm here. Oh, now what? Kind of thing. And uh, they've got all the trappings, but they they spend a lot of money on things, but they haven't really invested in them. They or a sport shot doctor or a sports psychologist, but they haven't really done a lot of work on their minds. Mm. That seems like it seems like it'd be somewhat challenging to get into that space and earn the trust of individuals that consistently have folks that come to them that are in need, right? Or express. Uh, a desire to get connected, but ultimately have some self-serving reason, as you very well know, and I'm sure you talk about a lot with your clients. I want to get into that because that is something that just fascinates me. But just just to reiterate something that you said that I find to be just absolutely phenomenal, uh, helping athletes create lives that feel as good as they look. Mm-hmm. That is just artistry. And what a great mission statement or or tagline, if you will, that doesn't just relate to celebrities or athletes. Like if we think about this, this era of social media and what everybody puts out there to say, I got it, or uh, my TikTok videos are, are always me dancing and, and feeling good. And, and we hold these people up in this significant light when in reality, you have no idea how good it is outside of what you see. So how did you, how did you get into this business? How did you start finding clients that were willing to be vulnerable with you and trust that you didn't have an ulterior motive? Well, I've, I had a couple of professional athletes in my life that were, I knew as kids, but they weren't, now they're professional athletes and they were like, man, you've been doing this forever. It's about time you got paid for it. Awesome. And so... I, it has been very much word of mouth or recommendations. And um, then it just kind of like, you know, some of the testimonials I get from my guys, it's like, oh, you know, and they're very wary, understandably so. They're very wary of, uh, you know, am I going to pick up the phone and call TMZ the minute I get off a call with them? And so I I have them sign a non-disclosure agreement with me. And I wouldn't, whether they did or didn't, I wouldn't share anything, but that's just for a level of comfort. And, you know, it's a constant ask, like this guy, one day he showed me his phone and he's like, look, this is this whole, like I could keep scrolling and all it is, is people asking of me. Mm. And he said, and you're the only person today that has texted me and said, how are you? What can I do for you? And so for me, when I'm working with my guys, it's just, what I emphasize with them, it is an hour that is laser focused on them once, at least once a week. I ha- they have a lot of availability with me. Um, and, you know, with texting uh, calls in between Zoom calls. And um, I just was lucky. And, you know, I have to say that Reggie King guy, he is like, like crazily connected and he has been great about helping his mama out. But uh, really, it's just you know, I got a, a message the other day from this guy. I didn't even know we were connected. And I looked through and I just couldn't pull anything together. I reached out to my sons. I'm like, do you know this guy? Nobody knew him. And 
fast forward, he had gotten my name from um, another client. And, you know, it's like holding that space for them an hour a week where, you know, agents have told me, like, I'm not a therapist. You know, I'm typically an attorney and I've got about a million of these guys on my list. I'm not qualified to uh, be their therapist. Um, the, the leagues, and I'm thrilled they're doing this, are, you know, providing mental health professionals. But a lot of guys have trust issues with that. Is that going to go, you know, is the coach going to find out or, you know, when it comes up time for a trade or, you know, is information going to get out? They, they like picking their own person. And, you know, I'm a short white woman, but I've had a lot of guys tell me, they said, you know, I would never be this vulnerable with a guy. I would just never be this vulnerable with a guy. And it's when you mentioned it earlier, Paul, when you see them, like you build this, you know, I guarantee them confidentiality, you know, and I hope that we gain trust. And when you see that trust happen, it's like you watch just the, like the floor drop out in a good way. And it's just like, you see them sink in and it's like, then it just opens up and blossoms and we get to the good stuff. Well, and that was part of our text exchange that we had. Um, I'm glad I didn't read that. Well, specifically, what blows me away is when you create that moment, my my mind immediately goes to, I wonder how often they've actually experienced that in their life. Like, if it makes such an impact that you could literally see physically them release themselves, that is a testament to the fact that many of them haven't experienced that in life. And you get the opportunity uh, to not just experience that moment, but rather to help facilitate it. And that is truly magnificent. Michelle, I say that again. It's a privilege. It is a privilege. It's, and it's, it's not a job. You, it's, you found something that you're passionate about and you're freaking great at it as a result. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, I've got the opportunity to do with having this fundamentalism platform is uh, interview a lot of amazing folks, right? From, right? from all different walks of life. And people consistently ask me, like, how do you know so-and-so? Or how did you connect with so-and-so? And you have, you have just beat the answer to that question over my head consistently, not just in this interview, but in our previous experiences and interactions that we've had with one another. Right. Sometimes asking for help is difficult because we haven't established the trust and mm-hmm. we haven't done a great job giving of ourselves to the point where it can be reciprocated, right? Right. So sometimes asking for help, uh, it's made more difficult because you have to make a decision early on in your life of what you want to stand for and what some of your core values are. And that means that you have to, you have to shower people with kindness and love and, and be willing to help them when they need help. So I bring all this up because the answer to that question, when people ask me, how do you have the opportunity to connect with Michelle or Reggie or whoever it may be? The answer is, I typically don't ask for anything. The answer is typically I start with, I would love to get to know you better. What do you do for fun? Instead of starting with whatever you feel like your value proposition is. I know that you're on LinkedIn because uh, we are connections. And I'd love to know from you, how many connection requests do you get from people immediately going into a sales pitch? 
Do you get those very often? I'm I'm t- I'm terrible on LinkedIn. Actually, I need to up my game there in a large large way. Maybe I mean I, I don't know. It depends on but, what. You're but it's weird. Out. In the last week, I have it, you know you know how those things just go in cycles, and it has been a week where I was you know involved in something, and I have just been smothered with people. Like I'd love to get on a call with you. I'd love to. Yes. You know, I mean, it's been, it's been crazy. I bet there have been 10 people and then seemingly there's no connection. And then as you dive deeper, inevitably there's an inner connection, you know, so it's, it's absolutely insane. Well, and and that's one of my biggest challenges in life is learning to say no, because it makes me like, I don't, I don't like the thought of disappointing people, especially knowing that I could be the one individual that somebody swallowed their pride and was courageous enough to ask for help, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, to the point about LinkedIn and what you just expressed, I get a lot of connection requests that when accepted, the first message received is, I'd love to tell you a little bit more about what we do. We help businesses <laughs> like yours, find clients that whatever, would a Wednesday or Thursday work best for you? And I'm like, what do you know about me though? <laughs> Well, that, you know, I kind of missed the point, I think, on your last question, because that, ironically, in this last week and a half, when I've had just been bombarded with new people coming out of the wood in a great way, I've also had those slimers that have just, and it was like, can I connect you with so-and-so? I was like, uh, can so-and-so connect me with themselves? You know, <laughs> uh, you know it, it's just, uh, I get exactly what you're saying. And I just, you know, block, unfriend, whatever. I just don't even go there. Hmm. It doesn't interest me in the least because I'm about connecting. I know that. And one of the things that I know interests you and our Fundamism podcast listener is when you do find the client, the, the mm-hmm. client that fits not just with you, but you mm-hmm. fit with them because that's important, right? That's really important. Yes. What's your process in working with somebody? How do you, what do you do start to finish to kind of establish this trust and work through to the point where they feel comfortable asking you for help on a continuous basis? Well, I think um, it's really odd because as I said, the bulk of my clients are men. And I think we, you know, think of men as not being as vulnerable, not letting their guard down. And I find that very quickly, these guys, I, you know, I think they do know that they can trust me for some reason. I don't know what that something is, that intangible, but they just, and and honestly, it's like, I just tell them, I have no judgments. I'm not your judge. I'm not your jury. I'm not here to tell you how to live a moral, your, your morally live your life. I'm just here to hear you. I'm just here to hold space for you. And then with, when I hear you, maybe, you know, it's like, if you're taking, um, if you're working on your shot, you might know, oh man, he needs more arc on the ball, whatever, but you're not seeing your shot. Your coach or your, the person that's working with you on your shot, they're actually seeing your shot. Then you can see yourself on film. I'm that guy. I'm the person that listening to you, watching you, seeing you, and figuring out why you're, you're, not, why you're not getting the results you want in your life. 
Mm. And I'm outside of you. I mean, I get coached every week myself. And I'm like, you'd think I'd never been coached, you know, but I'm inside of me. I can't see my own brain or my own mind. And so it's when that person lets down and lets go and shares, uh, you know, and gets it, the quicker we get in, the quicker we can make a difference, you know? And, you know, there's some people that it takes a few sessions, but typically I work on um, anywhere from one to six month packages. And I, I mean, four to six month packages. I, I really prefer the six month packages. I feel like that's where we get the most traction. Um, and then by that time, we've kind of identified the things, started working on them. And I finished like, feel like we are, I can release them <laughs> and into the world and they, they have the actual tools. So it's just, um, lots of things identifying, um, you know, we identify what they want to work on and then just develop a, it's very organic plan that's specifically designed for them. And it's those pain points, you know, um, have a lot of guys that, you know, want to be a good partner, want to be a good son, want to be a good father. And maybe they don't have the model for that. Mm. And we work on that. We work on a lot of future self-work. Um, like who, who is the man that you can show up now as, you know, you can start showing up now as the future self that you're going to become. Right. And um, so it's just, it's just evolutionary and revolutionary. Um, just, just the work is it's, it's just mind boggling. And I have amazing clients that, you know, they trust, they get vulnerable, they get brave, they get so uncomfortable. I usually in my calls with, I hope you have a really uncomfortable week. And that's about the most loving thing I could say to them. Cause I know that if they're uncomfortable, they are out there doing great things in their lives. Well, um, you've made me uncomfortable in life, uh, which Well, it's been amazing. But before I tell you about it, uh, (laughs) you so graciously asked, um, you're just, you're just, I'm just writing down tagline after tagline here. I'm here to hold space for you. I love that. Mm -hmm. And in your process, one of the things that you demonstrated, but didn't specifically call out as something that you are fantastic at, and that's asking questions. So sometimes to listen, which is what you you really set yourself apart in, is the ability to listen. Mm-hmm. It starts with creating an environment where people could share. And that means that sometimes you have to ask questions like the one that you demonstrated. If you could be the ideal future self or the ideal husband or father or whatever it may be, what would that look like to you? Mm-hmm. Why is that important? What value would that serve to others? And mm-hmm. by doing that, what you're allowing for is, again, not expressing your opinion, mm-hmm. but for others to identify through the power of self-discovery what it looks like, why it's important, and get them to buy in themselves. Because everything. At, at the end of the day, but that's, that's what is created by. When you wrap your session and you say, I hope you have an uncomfortable week, it's not you telling them to do everything that you came up with, but rather reinforcing all the things that they said they wanted to do because you asked them a question that allowed them to self-discover it. Am I right? Exactly. It's all about them. It's not, I don't, unless asked specifically for advice, I don't give advice. They, they answer their own questions and uh, in being uncomfortable, that's one of the best places to do that. Well, uh, as we start to wrap up our time together, we met, uh, obviously you expressed, uh, my timeline was a little bit off. That was time runs all together in this pandemic, seven right. months ago when you had your, your grandson. Um, so we met 
probably 10 months ago, if not longer. <laughs> and uh, about, I want to say three months ago, you said, uh, let's hop on a Zoom call and connect and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And like you, you know, like you do so well, you got me to uh, just vomit all over you with all this stuff that's <laughs> going on in my life and where my opportunity gaps lie and what I would like to do more of. And you said, you know who I think you should talk to? My friend, Susan. So Susan Trumpler, of course, is a, uh, a mindset coach as well. She's actually a business coach, right. very, very much on strategy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went into this meeting, Michelle, and, and you don't really have much background on what happened yeah. as a result of your introduction. So I went into this meeting just with the expectation of, of meeting somebody. I, I don't even think you introduced her as a, a business coach. You said that she uh, is in alignment with a company that you've worked with before or something you think highly of her, and she might be an individual that I should get to know. Yeah. Just connect so, with her. Just connect. Connection, right? Connections. There we go. Full circle. So we have a hour long phone call and I mean, just, just, uh, butterflies. Like I, when we talk about asking for help, I want you as the Fundamism podcast listener to know that I have been very much successful on accident. There are things that I have done deliberately and the things that I have done deliberately have helped grow my business. And I will, I will share with anybody that will listen that I believe that the thing that I do most deliberately that is attributed most of my success to is invested personally in meaningful relationships. I don't invest in relationships with the expectations to receive back, but rather like you, Michelle, I care genuinely to know people's story and what's going on. Mm-hmm. A byproduct of that though, is when you're constantly showing a genuine interest in others oftentimes uh, you don't necessarily let the walls down to see or to reveal your own true self, right? Right. And so I've been somewhat successful in the speaking realm, but I haven't been as successful moving this fundamentalism brand forward. Right. Enter this relationship that you created through, through Susan. I, uh, in January, signed up for a uh, six-month package uh, and I mean, as I sit here before you today, Michelle, I'm looking at the fundamentalism core values, the fundamentalism mission statement, our three revenue streams and the money mountain and how we're going to do it, uh, the learning objectives and course titles for the new fundamental series that we're doing. And all of this happened in the last month, uh, month and two weeks. Yeah. And all it took was somebody like you revealing for me the opportunity that I had to ask for help. And then me finally deciding I need to do it. So from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to say thank you for making me feel more comfortable and identifying that I need a coach and being willing to ask for one. Oh, gosh, I'm so glad to hear that. She's wonderful. And uh, I'm glad there's an alignment there. And because you have so much. And as I told you, when we talked, there's so much there. and, And I just can't wait to see it driven home. Well, I, uh, I put a social media post out there uh, about three or four weeks ago, and it said something to the extent of, if you've enjoyed the fundamentalism journey to date, just imagine what it's going to look like when I put a little strategy behind my sales. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I can't wait, Paul. Well, uh, listen, uh, you're, you don't have to wait because you're, you're in the passenger seat right with me. Uh, riding in this thing together. So I greatly appreciate your support and confidence and 
you know, from the moment that we connected, you've expressed a desire um, in helping me in whatever way, but mm-hmm. more importantly, an interest in what I'm doing and me personally. And that goes a long way. So thank you. I'm truly interested. And I'm so glad it's going well. Michelle Dimitrio Coaching is the, uh, is the business name. I know we're working on a website. And, the website uh, has been re- redone. We just got to get this thing live. <laughs> listen, one of the things that my coach helped me identify most recently is that I get very overwhelmed with the thought of doing things to the point where I will, I'll ma- I want to make sure everything's perfected and I want to make, you know, look magnificent and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes when you just get it out there and it, and it work. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Then you could tweak it. Yep. But interestingly enough, I found your website months and months and months ago, and it looked amazing. So I don't know why the hell it hasn't dropped yet. Uh, well, I, I did redo it with the pandemic, and then it's just been it's 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 on me. So yeah, you're right. It needs to hit the it needs to hit the streets for sure. Well, listen, the world needs to know what you have to offer outside of the clients that you currently work with. I'm blessed to get to see what that looks like. And I can't wait for everybody else to experience it on not only the Fundamism podcast, but your new website when it drops and any social media where folks could go to learn more about you. So where can we go to learn more about you? Um, Probably the best place right now is uh, Michelle Dimitrio Coaching uh, on Instagram. And then I'm on LinkedIn and that game needs to get up too. But yeah, those two places are probably the best too. I love it. Michelle, not to put you on the spot, but uh, we're, we're embracing awkward moments right now. Any final thoughts on asking for help and that featured fundamental that you help people do so often? Just, uh, I think just if, if you can be really uncomfortable and really brave and just know that that is that person's greatest privilege to help you. And it's not a burden. It's something that they really want to do. And we can't do it alone. And so just reach out, ask for help, be uncomfortable. And I promise the comfort and the joys and the growth will come on the other side of that. I love it. Sister, our relationship has only just begun, as you know. And you don't want me to sing, so... (laughs) Listen, we thank you for being on, Michelle. Uh, All of your social media links will be in the show notes. And uh, we can't wait to see what's in store next. So thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. To the Fundamism Podcast listener, we couldn't be whatever the hell we are without you. So we greatly appreciate your support and your commitment to living a life overflowing with joy, fun, and fulfillment as your guiding principles. Our featured fundamental, of course, this week was ask for help. And as Michelle closed out so powerfully, having the courage to ask for help is important. But one thing that you can't take for granted is once you ask for help and somebody supplies it to you, what is your level of commitment to changing your experience? It's one thing to ask for help. It's another thing to take that help and actually change accordingly. So by all means, we encourage you to not only ask for help today, but go out and have some fun and hopefully create some fun in the lives of others. In closing, we'll catch you on the flip side. Be safe, smile often, have fun, and deuces.